It's the post show, my it, friends. I wouldn't say I'm. I'm. I wouldn't say I'm not a Duran Duran fan. I like uh, some of their stuff. I'm not like a huge fan of all their stuff, but okay. I do think that the the stuff is good. This is not my favorite song, but it's a song that everyone knows. I'm surprised you didn't know it. I vaguely recognize it, but I am and not a Duran Duran fan. At least the songs that got you know lots of video and radio play. Right, right. This is one the of the '80s. I I like I like some of the other songs that didn't. Kind of that, I don't know, that that kind of... That you don't like Tears that, for Fears either, so it's kind of the same. I don't, but there's yeah. that... And also, so go from Duran Duran to Tears for Fears up to Radiohead. Right. You know, that kind of slacker Brit Rock type sound. I just don't like it. That's interesting, yeah, because it is true. I love Radiohead. I think that... Well, I, there's songs from Radiohead that I just think are some of the best songs ever. I don't like everything from Radiohead, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're, you're just not a big fan of Radiohead at all, really. No. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm not a big fan of uh, Les Zeppelin. But I get it. I get it, though. Like, right. I, I listen to stuff yeah, like I'm yeah. not shitting on them. I'm just saying, yeah. I think that, I for me, the sounds I hear in Tears of Fears, Duran Duran, and Radiohead, and, you know, I probably think of a couple other bands that are that kind of Brit Rock type thing. Right. What about, like, U2? Because that's kind of a merge of that sort of thing. It depends on the U2 song. Um, do you remember, like, around, I guess... It was around. It was late nineties, two thousand. They put out the album Pop. You know, I like that one a lot. Um, like this this tour they're on right now, where they're doing the Joshua Tree out al- Tree album front to back. <laughs> Joshua Tweed. Joshua Tweed. <laughs> <laughs> album front to back. Like, I, I'm sure there's songs I've learned to like on there, but what what a cash grab that is. You know, let's do a, a kind of a nostalgia tour where we play a whole album. <laughs> Every night, that's just like playing. Uh... So, so, so speaking of Duran Duran, what about this song? So, I like that Rio. That Rio song worked for me. So, maybe I'm getting to a point in my life where, so you know, your musical taste kind of gets set. But I'm wondering if I'm starting to appreciate things I used to not like. I was at a bar with a coworker of mine a couple weeks ago, and the Beatles came on, and the Beatles song that they were playing was "Love Me Do." Oh, I hate that song. Or was it Hold Your Hand? It was... Uh, oh, hold Your Hand is even worse. Well, that's how... I, well, I know you hate Beatles for a very special reason. <laughs> uh, no, wait a minute. Before I continue with this song, look, I appreciate what the Beatles did once they got past their Love, Love Me Do stage. That, that's, that was my old philosophy. And then I heard... Because I never got to listen to that shit when I was with my parents. I only got to listen to the, the worst fucking yeah. Beatles shit. So, which one of those two Beatles songs was I listening to? It was... Is Ordinary Run by Duran Duran. Right. Oh, see, with the music playing in my ears, I, here, I'm going to take my headphones off to see if okay. I can figure out which Beatles song was on the radio. I guess, I want to say it was, it could have been one or the other, but I want to say it was Spoke Your Hand, actually. But, you know, I was listening to it, and it wasn't, like, with headphones on. I was listening to it in the bar. But I kind of, like, got this, like, feel for the uh, composition of the whole song. And I saw it for something that wasn't bubblegum pop. Interesting. And I, because before that moment, I was with you 100%. Sgt. Pepper, Abbey Road, you know, all that stuff. Good Beatles. But, you know, that early stuff with the Ed Sullivan show yeah. and whatnot, crap. 
But then I heard this song, and I just kind of like someone said, like it was basically someone told me how. Okay, to look, I, look, I get it because there's a no, I, I agree, I'm, I'm with you because like there's a song. Oh, there's a there's a Christina, Christina Aguilera song that I like. I should have no reason to like the song "Beautiful," but I do. I can't explain to you why. Mm-hmm. It there's something that strokes in me that I think is great. Right. But I I, I don't have a good explanation as to why it is. It's just yeah. it, it hits that. I right just heard it this me. one time, and I heard like a deeper melding of the song, and I'm like, huh, that is a good song. There's more to it than the frontline harmony. You know, right. or frontline melody. You know, and this song is about a breakup, really. This song, "Ordinary World," but it's, it, I think it's a good song. Yeah, this is my style. No, well, well I mean, uh, the this Rio, part, I, the I Rio song I like. This well, one, well, really. this one is is just. I mean, this is the, the this is bridge between the the or not bridge, but this is between the choruses where where it gets the choruses are where Duran shine like. Here, here we go. Don't like, not yet. Don't like those. I mean, so the Rio song worked for me. This one, no. This is where it yeah, starts to get. It's sort of very atmospheric, and it kind of is a. It's, a, it's about sort of evoking those feelings. Sure. Mm. Fair enough. You don't have to turn it off. I'm just saying it's just not. No, I, I'm not turned. I'm just saying. Yeah. Fair oh, enay. Okay. Well, you, you grab the touchpad like you're. You know, like, no, because no, I wanted to look at the stuff we yeah. talked. We actually pinned some stuff to our channel. Oh. Stuff we wanted to talk about. <laughs> we forgot to talk about it. Yeah. Um, yes, I wanted to discuss degrees of freedom, unitarity, and how it all comes back to a circle. Oh boy! This is Ooh, exciting. This is this is actually great. I, I think it's great. Did you see the? Um... Someone drew up a comic of a bunch of me six around Trump's desk, and they're all like ready to kill themselves. <laughs> you, you can imagine that. How yeah, that play yeah. Out. He wrote me into this. <laughs> so here's let, let me let me see if I can get this to you in, in in a relatively simple amount of time, relatively short amount of time. That's what I'm going for. Okay. So when you're doing when you're asking questions about probability, there is one very important thing. Probably the most important thing when you're computing when you're computing things about probability, and that is whatever you compute, the answer has to add up to one. All right, right. You got to have a hundred percent. Okay. So right. okay. you have to get there somehow. Whatever you're doing with probabilities, they all have to come to hundred percent. Right. Okay. So you you want to figure out if the probability of me flipping Greg off now, whether it's 90 or 100 percent right it turns out to be 100 percent because you just did it right but there's also if you don't account for the other pro- things that could happen and if they don't equal 100 percent, then you have a complete calculation a complete picture right so that means that if if whatever your calculation you're doing if it doesn't add up to 100 percent, then you haven't done probability right in physics terms we call this preserving unitarity Okay. Unitarity means you get to a unit. You get to one. You fill out that unit. So if you look at that as just on a number line, it has to get to one from zero. That's simple enough, right? It's a, whatever position, there has to be enough. Whatever you're calculating, if it's just one thing, for example, mm-hmm. it, has to be, it has to get to one on this number line. Now, what about if you're calculating two things? Okay. 
They have to get the one somehow. But you're calculating it in terms of two things instead of one thing. How can you maintain that? Be sure that whatever you're calculating gets to one if you're calculating two different things at the same time. And this plays into what I've taught you before, so that's why it will come okay. handy. So here's the trick. Think about when you have a plane and a unit circle. The radius of that unit circle is always going to be one. All anywhere around there. And you can have two elements here that describe how, where that how that circle how that uh, how that radius is being maintained, right? Mm -hmm. So you have it, you know, going up or short. You, you didn't draw right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you meant to draw. Right. So it can go up on, on one thing and another thing. Uh, on, on the y-axis here, on the x-axis. But as long as it maintains, it's on this radius of this circle, this is going to, it's going to equal one. Okay. Right? Yeah, sure. So, and what we talked about, another thing, is that you can extend this into infinite matter dimensions. So we talked about Hilbert space is essentially taking this and just making a whole bunch of different dimensions and all the same things the same. So if you have a three, three right, dimensions... Hilbert space. Might be a coincidence. There is an option on the printer for a pattern for the surface called a Hilbert curve. Okay. And it is actually what I use for your plumbus. Interesting. It's, if you look here on the face, it's kind of this like thing where it's a continuous line that just fills the whole area in like little boxy, like, like goes a little bit and makes a right angle and stuff. Okay. That's a Hilbert curve. Is it, it's Correct. almost certainly related to David Hilbert, the mathematician who had a lot to do with talking about infinity. It was all okay. this stuff. So the Hilbert space is just a plain Euclidean space, but a Euclidean space as we're used to. It has two dimensions. Uh, Hilbert space is a plain Euclidean space that has n dimensions, so any number of dimensions. But the point is that this calculus that you work with with a y and x works for any number of spaces. And an example is if you take the area if you want to take the area of a um or or better yet pythagorean theorem the pythagorean theorem works all, in all dimensions so this hypotenuse is going to be the same in two dimensions as it would be for a three-dimensional object you can see on this thing that's a hilbert curve too. the surface there okay so it kind of makes it look like a almost like it's forged right yeah but yeah. if you look at the pattern i'll show you the pattern later on yeah but so the point is that the Pythagorean theorem works in two dimensions. Any any dimensions above two, it works. Okay. So this sort of calculus of, of, of a sphere, of a circle, works in, in all dimensions above two. So a sphere, that's just three dimensions. And if you, as long as you describe the surface of that sphere, then your, then your three options will have to add up to one in order to get to the surface of that sphere, right? Okay. So with quantum mechanics, ultimately what you're doing is doing a whole bunch of probabilities, bunch of different spaces. And we're not talking about actual like physical space. We're talking about probability space. So we're really just talking about like how brown something is and how wet something is and okay. how, you know, so it's, it's not an actual space, but it's just talking about how dynamics they are. And it has to equal one. So you have to, so you have a sphere in multidimensionals in, in multidimensional space, and the only thing that you have is that radius is going to have to always equal to one. 
and that's where quantum, that is quantum mechanics. So there you can see kind of the path of the Hilbert curve. Interesting. Huh. So what I'm showing him is in the 3D slicer program. It looks I, kind of like little little uh, uh, tuning forks coming out of a. Uh... Kind of, yeah. It it it's this random. It's not random. It's definitely pattern. It's this uh, abrupt little. It's a way to fill the surface instead of drawing straight lines, which like on your plumbus, a bunch of diagonal straight lines would not look very good. Right. Uh, it's a way for the printer to kind of make something that looks kind of noisy or almost like um, if you did a, 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 a cast piece, right? You know, like sand casting, where it has kind of that rough, gritty you know, look to it. This gives it that. But the, the shape that it does is it does the whole surface in this kind of section of uh, squares where it just does these little curvy lines with a bunch of little right angle turns to it. That, yeah, they do look like little tuning forks, like pointing four different ways kind of thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. David Hilbert had something to do with that. Probably in terms of how much space you can fill or something like that in a certain area. But it, it, he made your plumbus look good. He did? Well, hey, good for Hilbert. So, but th that's all I'm trying to say is that you can, making sure that thing is one gets a lot easier if you have this concept of a circle and maintaining that unit radius. And you can just extend that into multiple dimensions. I think it's, I, that's all. That, that's the only math thing I want to talk about. Okay. But I think that's a, a cool concept and it really gives it, I, I think if you were to ponder it, you can see how that kind of lends itself to just allowing for a whole bunch of different options as long as you can get that equal to one. And anywhere on this surface, infinite surface in a circle or sphere or fourth sphere or five sphere or six sphere or whatever, it just has to equal one. Okay. I got some of that. Cool. So let's talk about your thing, which you want to talk about Time Magazine covers. I wanted to talk about Time Magazine covers. I guess I did. Yeah, I, the only thing I think of is there was that Trump thing where he has the fake Time magazine cover in, in his. Oh, did I pin that. Yeah, you pin that. Oh, <laughs> we were talking about probably the the logo, and I said it's tiresome. I'd rather talk about Trump magazine covers. But you you and pinned that. I did. I, I did. I did. So what did I want to say about it? Um, it. Feeding the ego, right? It's like, like I was reading a thing where like there was this dirt gap. You're surprised by that by now? Um, continually surprised by the world that he's created around himself. There's one thing that I can appreciate Donald Trump for. It's for destroying the myth of the. the the presidency. Destroy the myth that, that the person who is the president has to be someone who is like a good person and competent person. No, it can be just some fucking schmuck who is a big time uh, abuser of people and is an awful fucking person. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Trump uh, put up, had this. Who knows who made it, but there was a fake Time magazine cover hanging in many of his golf clubs. And Time uh, sued him, right? No, I don't think so. I think so. Oh, I didn't hear that. And reporters have found this thing. 
and it was basically uh, someone. You know, Trump might even thought it was real. Someone of his lackeys might have photoshopped it. The funny thing is the barcode on the Time magazine cover. If you search like for that barcode, it was from the thing in 2008 where a dude was like, "Here's how to like make your own magazine cover," <laughs> and add a barcode to make it look extra real. It's the same barcode that he had. Nice. And then, like, the, some of the titles on the thing were like, uh, The Apprentice is hitting it out of the park. Trump's right. firing on all cylinders. Right. Of course. And, yeah, I, I no doubt in my mind that Trump would think, Oh, yeah, that's real. And But then, you know, like, in hindsight, any, like, anything that Trump's meant... uh, Times, like, headlines don't yell. Right. And, and these were all, like, shouting headlines. Well, anything that is praising him in any way, he doesn't care where it's from, he doesn't care... He doesn't care well, I saw a thing it. kind of saying, okay, so why didn't they replace it with new Time magazine covers since Trump has been on it, like, 15 times since he started running for president? And, like, none of them are flattering, right? right? <laughs> like, none of them are flattering. But, for you know, sure. he put such a high... He said it before, he put such a high value on Time magazine cover. I don't know why, because he could easily say, he Time, still failing magazine, sad. Yeah. He's still living in the 80s. And you could say that uh, the Conservative Review magazine is... He doesn't know any of those. No. That's the yeah. thing. He's a, he's a dummy. Remember, he is an idiot. A complete idiot. Oh, man. This whole Morning Joe thing. <laughs> Oh, isn't that gross? Just like, oh, I agree. But then the the, the the National Enquirer thing that came out of it. Did you hear that? I did. Yes, that's insane. So, gee, I wonder why he he, he brought that up. Yeah. No. So I guess you know he was trying to kind of extort the Morning Joe by you know saying you know I'll spike this National Enquirer story. Kind of just like uh, Comey tapes, right? I'll spike right, this National right. Enquirer story if you apologize. Like, he had his people call, including, like, Jared Kushner called Joe Scarborough. Oh, really? I didn't know that much. Like, okay. the, the, it hasn't been corroborated, like, journalistically yet, but the rumors are that it was... Um, Kushner said, just, just call Trump and apologize. You know, ask him to spike the story, and he'll spike the story. And, you know, Scarborough was like, fuck you. Right. So, but they kept, but, you know, apparently they kept it quiet. And now that Trump did this, you know, bloody facelift thing, you know, they, they came back from vacation and, like, you know, played, you know, played this out. Talk about, like, sticking your dick in a meat grinder. <laughs> Fucking Trump. I mean, everything he does, like, makes things worse for himself, it seems. Except for it, to his base, who loves it. I'm sure there's that guy on your street who's, who's like fucking enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, fuck those guys. People who try to report things. Sticking fuck them. your dick in the meat grinder. Speaking of sticking your dick in the meat grinder, let's talk about Star Wars. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually read uh, an article, kind of like, was it their fault? Was it Lucasfilm's fault? You know, like who's to blame here? So let, let's let's fill in some background. All right, so there was a Star Wars movie I was looking forward to, the Han Solo, the movie. Han Solo movie. Not because I fucking care about Han Solo's past, 
Who the fuck cares about Han Solo's past? Seriously. You're introduced to him in A New Hope, and that's all you fucking need. You don't need any extra shit to tell you about Han Solo's character. He's well-defined. You just want an episode of one of his misadventures is all you want. Well, I'm I'm just saying, like, it's not a necessary thing to know about Han Solo, right? There's There's a whole bunch of, in theory, stories you could tell about the Star Wars universe. And, like, I was talking to you about this. Stuff that could be on some fucking backwater planet that doesn't have any dealing with with uh, the Empire or Jedi or any shit like that. It just happens to deal with the realities of the universe they've built. Mm-hmm. And you can make a story out of that, an interesting story, that people because people want to live in that universe for, for two hours. Instead, everything has to be about these fundamental characters behind the original trilogy, which sucks. So that's why I didn't want to see a, a Han Solo movie. But the people who were making it changed my mind because the people who were making it were Christopher Miller and Phil Lord. And they made 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, Lego Movie, Cutting the Chance of Meatballs, Phone High, bunch of great shit. Just, and not only just great shit, but shit that, you know, like the Lego movies. Mm-hmm. That is not supposed to work. Right. <laughs> That's a corporate sellout bullshit thing. There's no reason why that should work. It was an awesome movie. Yeah. So here, Han Solo movie, corporate sellout bullshit thing. No reason why that should work. These guys are making it. I'm fully confident in their ability to make something awesome. Mm-hmm. And then they get fired. Fired. You're fired. You're fired. Worst directors ever. So then they get fired. And now it's like, okay, now any any thought I had about this movie being good is gone. And they put fucking Ron Howard on it. Ron Howard, who I should say is not a bad filmmaker, but he's not exactly an exceptional filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It makes competent films. So I was reading a story. I don't know if it was Vanity Fair. The, uh, I can't remember what I was reading it on. But every time, like, you know, who's the blame here? Is it Lucasfilm and the president of Lucasfilm who, you know, didn't like the. What was it? Yeah, like. So. They were trying to. They were improvising. A couple were... arguments were that they were taking too long to set up shots, they were not getting much done. You know, like they were being too meticulous with getting the film made. That was one of the arguments. It's the, boy, they're, they're concentrating too hard on making good film. Yeah, we don't need that shit. We want <laughs> we want more Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, another thing was uh, the the guy who wrote the film. What's his name? Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Uh, who, they're taking, wrote, who wrote? Let's be fair. He wrote Empire. I mean, yeah. But apparently, he is a stickler for his what's on the page right. to be put on the film. And they were taking too many liberties with the script. So that might have been part of it. Phil, uh, Miller and Lord's whole thing is, you know, improv your way through yeah. these things. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why they make good films. That they trust their actors to make... I mean, why are you going to put Donner Glover in, in your movie if you don't want him to improvise? Yeah. <laughs> you were going to make Donald Glover stick to the script? Yeah. Dan Harmon loves his words, and he himself said, I would let Donald Glover rewrite my thing at any time. Yeah, he'd said, you know, sometimes I just write, Donald says something funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Childish Gambino. Yeah, well, I'm not a big fan of his music, but hey, I like his comedy. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen any of Glow? No, I've not seen any of Glow. 
So Alison Brie stars in that. Yes. And uh, I watch. I've seen her boobies from from it. I was surprised. I thought she was like a new boobie girl. <laughs> I was surprised to see boobies in there. Well, she 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 is pretty much a new boobie girl, mm-hmm. but she she let her boobies fly for one. I think one episode, right? One episode, two yeah. scenes. Yeah. Um, and she from from Annie, she lost a lot of weight, like in, for this like, that scene. She was like, I wasn't even. I had to double check that that was heard for like in the first couple scenes because well she's wearing no makeup I mean she's doing different things but she really thin compared to all the pictures that I think of when I you know think of Allison Brie okay but uh, uh, so I'm three episodes in I've never been interested in wrestling anyway so I'm not sure I'm not I'm oh they're cheering it... for us. I'm hoping it's a good story. Uh, and uh, Mark, Mark Maron's Mark Maron. the, the, the stuff he's, I've read is that it is a good he, story. He's so. he's funny. Yeah, and and she's it's funny because Allison Brie is. Hell? What's that? I just kind of signed a ticket. <laughs> no, it's about my PED. So I, I this is this is good. Um, my PED is a personal education. Uh, so I'm going to go to Jolly Old England in October. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Got to talk to Dave. Awesome. So I'm going to go there. He lives way up north. So I'm not sure you're going to run into yeah, him. Yeah, it's going to be London. So, yeah. He uh, lives way up north. But maybe he can tell me some places to go at London. At least. The, uh, it's funny. So, Inglo, Alison Brie, she's a struggling actress who, you know, tries out for this girls wrestling troupe that's getting put together. Right. And it's funny when she acts as she's trying to act. She acts horribly. Like she's a horrible. Like her character is a horrible actress. Uh-huh. And uh, it, you know, it's just one of those things. Like you know, Allison Brie, you know how she acts, and then watching her act poorly. It, you know, it, it's some some of the hardest acting to do is bad acting. Mm-hmm. How to to act like a bad actor. When you're a good actor, is from what I understand. I mean, right. like, mm-hmm. what I understand, it's hard. But yeah, it was. It, it's interesting. I'm gonna give it a few more episodes, see if it keeps on going. But you know, it, it's a decent story so far. Well, it's just like there was. So there was that scene in, in Legion, in that episode he didn't like, where he. Um, so the the whole the whole point of Legion, Legion is Professor X's uh, uh, son. But so, what's his name? David. The guy who plays David is a British actor in Legion, mm-hmm. but he's put an American accent for for the show. But then he he does sort of a Patrick Stewart impression when he, t- he does his uh, his father. So he's an American oh, okay. doing a right. So he's a British person doing an American accent, doing a British mm-hmm. you know a, American British accent. It's funny. Okay. And there's tons of tons of that awesomeness in. Um... The show with the clones. Um... Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Orphan Black. Orphan Black, yeah. Which had a great first season. Great yeah. first season. And then after that, it was kind of... Yeah. Did you watch the end of Better Call Saul? Yes. That was that was cool. So, is Chuck gone? Does yeah, Jimmy... Chuck's dead. Okay, so that's the thing. I was talking with a friend of mine. And I thought, you know, Chuck was dead. It explains how Jim- Jimmy gets uh, Better Call Saul. You know, Saul... 
Saul Goodman off the ground and whatnot without having to wait for the settlement of Sandpiper. Right. So, well, was, the, the, the awful was, thing about it is you think about it, because it wasn't too many years before he had to leave and run away, so Jimmy probably never gets the Sandpiper ship. Mm. So the question, so first question was, is it going to be as easy as Chuck is dead and Jimmy gets the inheritance? No, it's never been that easy. Right. In, so. that, in the show. Uh, and it's not going to be, I mean, they're not going to cut to three years later either. The, the show has been meticulous about mm-hmm. tracking how how this person changes. And one of the beauty, one of the beautiful things about this show is how it takes its time. Mm-hmm. It, and it draws these characters completely and fully. And it doesn't, oh, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't skimp on any of that, which is so wonderful. It's crazy to me how, and I get it, I get why it was written that way, but it's just crazy to me that, you know, Chuck was doing fairly well, gets a huge payout, but he's no longer a lawyer and he loses his will and just reverts to... Well, I mean, he, it wasn't, it wasn't that, it was that he, his... And they expressed that very much during the rest of the season, where his whole, his whole livelihood, his whole envision, his whole picture of himself is as the yeah. top best possible lawyer. So for him to be thrown out of his firm because of what he knows is a is a psychological sickness, but at the same time he and he tries to fight it, but when the whole thing about his firm and stuff falls away, he decides to not he can't do it anymore. He he's a he's a tragic figure at the same time of being he's not evil, he's not good, he's he's but he's a tragic mm-hmm. figure. They're all tragic figures really. Right. Uh and oh I just kind of messed okay. And um No, I, I, it's 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 a beautifully rendered piece of uh, of character and story, and that's what I love about the show so much. So I haven't got into Fargo because it's complete now, but I will this, mm-hmm. within the next couple of days. I'm gonna watch all. Of Fargo. Uh, there was you know some pretty unpredictable moments in the last few episodes. The. Um... The way it ends, the very last scene. I'm having a problem with. I'm having a problem okay. with like the choices made in the very last. Is scene. it kind of magical realism stuff? Because that's no, it's not mad. The only magical scene was that scene with Ray uh, Ray Wise in the bowling alley. Uh, nothing else was really magical. So I think that was just a, a kind of playback to how stressed um, uh, the girl was. Uh, Character name, actress name—I can't think of either right the now. The actress is uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston. Yeah, yeah, her. Yeah, she was so stressed because you know she's fighting for her. I've life. Always been attracted to her. <laughs> Ever since uh, was it um, Scott Pilgrim? Oh, okay. Oh, that, that is her. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, she just got out of the woods. Russians trying to kill her, and she got shot in the leg with a crossbow, and. <laughs> 
uh, you know, so she gets to the bowling alley, and that's that magical realism right, thing. Yeah. And after that, that that's kind of really the only scene in the whole show where she, you know, saw God or you know that kind of thing. Well, I mean, know? if you think about it, in the first season of Fargo, Lee Malva was kind of the devil yeah. in some sense, right? I mean, yeah. So it all, and, and we talked about the UFO. It all kind of yeah. is this magical realism mm-hmm. about yeah. the Fargo world. Yeah, so that was the moment in in this season. You should watch it. Uh, there's some really I good will. twists in it. Um, it just the last moment before it cuts the black. I was like, oh. I... It may be Noah Haley's been putting out there that it might be his last season of Fart. Okay. Because he's you know it's sort of like how much can I can I write about this? Which is fine, right? I mm-hmm. I, I don't think shows should go beyond there. I'm a favor of, in some sense, especially now that we've been exposed to it more, the, the English model, where mm-hmm. just to keep shows, you know, a couple seasons and that's it. Other than Doctor Who. <laughs> right. I mean, I can understand why it's hard to stop making, printing money right. <laughs> with something that's working. But yeah, I mean, if, uh, you know, if the showrunners for Fargo is going to change, are they going to be able to keep it? in the same league as, as the first three seasons. I don't think so. No. So I think you just sort of abandoned at that point. Mm-hmm. But who knows, right? Who knows? But good shows like that, you can't really throw out showrunners. I mean, look what mm-hmm. happened with Community. Yeah. So, we didn't get your thoughts about the Han Solo Star Wars. Uh, my thoughts. I, I I don't know what to expect, really. Like, uh, Here, here's the here's the question. Here's a big question for you. Are you interested? Were you? Did you care about a Han Solo movie at all? Would you? Would you have been interested? I mean, I would a, go see it. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that, I guess that's a that's a poor question because you're a fan of Star Wars. Is there is there anything that Star Wars could do that you wouldn't go see? Georgia Pinks. Be honest. <laughs> I would not go see a Georgia Pinks episode. I would not go see anything with young Anakin on Tatooine. I'm trying to think if there's a Jar Jar Binks story that might be like. What if it was a noir Jar Jar Binks? Like, could you. Could. A, a I've talented... seen the serious Senator Jar Jar Binks, and he's just as bad as the goofball asshole Jar Jar. Binks. Could a talented filmmaker and writer make a story where that character works? Holy fuck! Uh-huh. No, because it's a pure kid. It's a pure kindergartner's Here, here's... intellect, character, and story. Here's my example because I haven't read it, but. There's apparently a comic out there that also I should point out before I tell you what it is. It's apparently excellent. Okay. So so they say. I haven't read it yet. Okay. It's Batman versus Elmer Fudd. <laughs> and it gives Elmer Fudd a dark backstory. And that's why he's sort of chasing after Batman. And he's sort of hunting him like he's hunting wabbits, but he's hunting vigilantes. <laughs> I haven't read it, so I don't know whether it's good or whether it's actually good or not. But I, I've heard about it, and just the idea is intriguing. 
So I'm just wondering if there's a way you can take a cartoon character, mm-hmm. a very cartoonish character, and make something out of it. But you're still using the characteristics of the character as established, right? I mean, yes. it's still Elmer Fudd. It's he not... still talks like that. He still has... He, he doesn't have any new invented... No, I told you. I told you they he? gave him a dark backstory. Uh, they have it, apparently he has a, a lover or something that he has. I mean, they you know they give him backstory and they give him motivation, but he's still that character. He still talks like that. I, I guess if you develop the George Binks character, but it has you know I would be pissed. At, well, I wouldn't buy it if it wasn't consistent with the slapstick bullshit that was there, right? Like, how can you give? Jar Jar a serious uh... well so so what you could do just pitching he I guess you could do it right because the yeah. whole species is kind of goofball so you could still like have a family situation or something but well no you could put it into a situation where, where after all the shit that he did everyone now fucking hates him and all his goofy shit that people used to laugh at he used to get away with no one gives a shit He's making a living being some janitor somewhere, or even worse, like he, he's he's panhandling. He's cynical now. He still has those speech affectations, but he just he's ground into the ground. It, all all of his wonder and shit is gone, and he gets a chance to do one thing to save not the galaxy, not not even like. Not a planet, just like a person. He finds he finds a way that he can make his life worth something by saving some orphan person or something. I don't know some 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 person. He he because he, he's he's a fucking dork and asshole. No one hates. He gets associated with the criminal underworld. He probably gets drugs and stuff on the street. He gets associated with that kind of stuff, and he's you know. Where does he step in poo again? Probably on his, on his very last, you know, the, 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 as he's trying to, you know, he gets to the final point where he, he's on his last, his mission to, to, to kill the, the mob boss that's going to kill this person or, or whatever. And he's, he's already got shot in the leg and he also got shot in the chest. He knows he's bleeding out. And then as he's getting to the last point, he fucking says to him, he's like, God damn it. God, 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 God damn it. Or whatever he's and then, God damn it. and then he goes in and has the final fight, fight with the last boss. So he can do the step in, in poop, but as like a a dark joke. It's a very dark reminder of his past. That could work. I don't think I'd go see it. Okay. I don't know what. I'll probably see Han Solo, but I'm not excited about it. Do you do you want to know how Han Solo met Chewbacca? No, I want to uh, see Han Solo and che- Han Solo either have some solo adventures, or Han and Chewie have some kind of like you know crazy ass smuggling plans going wrong, and Chewie telling Han, "I told you so," and and Han saying, "Laugh it up, furball," and. <laughs> I, laugh it up for only works if it's something that they said once, not if it's a. Oh yeah, I didn't mean literally, but you want to tear apart your failed Plumbus? 
It's a failed Plumbus. You put all the Schleem out. It's it's just like you did with the wax and shit. Yeah, yep. I'm trying to just get this this little. Uh, I don't know. Just for some reason, <laughs> just like with the yak, you try to make it perfect. Your mind has this idea that if I get this part out, it'll be, it'll be better because then it has a nice hole. In it. <laughs> right, nice clean hole. You want a knife or something? Yes, give me a knife, please, so I can stop this. <laughs> stop this madness. There's a pair of snips right there on the printer. Oh, snips! Snip, you motherfucker! Snip. And now he is complete. It's a masterpiece. <sighs> All is right in the world. Cool. <laughs> Thermoplastic polyurethane. It's good stuff. Cool stuff. I'm just getting rid of you know the extra. So Greg had me make a flexible plumbus, and it took me eight. Or so tries to get a, a decent one. Let, let, let's be clear. I bought you the yeah, material. No, no, absolutely. I, I said, hey, you know what? I want to get a flexible one of these. I'll buy the material. I, I wasn't I know. talking about the material usage. I was just talking about the the number of, and I wasn't complaining. And what did you learn from it? You learned a lot from it, right? I, I did. I, I was not complaining, but it took like eight iterations, you know, to get this thing. Tell me, Lister, didn't it sound like at first he was complaining? He was starting with, oh, Greg made me make this. Wasn't complaining. I hope you have many hours of plumbic fun. Well, now I just gotta keep coming up with things for your design. Like, we gotta get a new version of this. Right? This needs to be smaller, the, the box. Because we need to have a way to... Yeah, it needs to be smaller. Half the size or what? Yeah, half the size would probably work. Okay. But I like the idea behind it. I mean... Alright, if it's your visual aid that you... It suits your needs. I don't know what so what's, just... the, what's the smaller box going to achieve, though? Um, I don't know. In my, in my head it was smaller. I mean, ideally, these wouldn't be at 90 degrees anyway, but there's no way you can do that, so I'm not going to pull that against What do you me. want? Well, I mean, I want positional... I want to have a background that has positional... multiple, multiple positional vectors. I don't understand what you mean. We have some static background that is a plus sign. Okay. And along that, you can... Either you turn the plus sign or you turn some device that has can position multiple vectors. Wasn't that turning the Yeah, no, that that like I said, that, that works and it, it does a good job. But ideally these would these themselves would be not just stuck on ninety like maybe you could maybe it could be uh You need to have 90 degrees as a possibility. So maybe if you have... An octagon? An octagon of some sort. An octahedron or a... It, it doesn't need to be an octahedron because I don't care okay. about the front. So you just want an octagon. Right. Although I do like this as a way to express a three-dimensional vector. 
with the 90. So that, so that is helpful because this is, here you go. Now this is not just a vector. Now this is, this is a reference frame. Three dimension. So this is this is really good for that. So I was imagining that if you wanted diagonal movement, right? You know, if these are equal length, then it's going this way, right? Mm -hmm. And if this one's longer, or this one's shorter, then it's going this way. Yep. And if you don't have this, then it's going this way. Right, and then the cool thing is... So, I don't understand why you need off 90 degrees. What what does that give you? Well, I mean, we, we talked about it with Nick when I was showing you how the... Rel I mean, I don't know how to get that to work in, 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 a, in a mechanical way, but there's some way you can do a hydraulic transfer that would be cool. So you have a vector of this and, and mm -hmm. adding to this, and then so you get this plus this length equals, you know, the, both lengths on that direction. I don't know how to do that either, but so let, you want like a triangular rubber band thing stretched out. No, I think let's try this again, and we'll see if, if there's a way we can turn this, and that's a good start. And then let me think about it because I don't, I don't have anything in my head. Just I don't have any like mechanical ideas in my head, or even like really concepts of what it should look like. I do like what this is. I like how it's working. Uh, you know, aside from the fact that this broke off, but that's not your fault. That's me, you know, playing around with it and trying to do something. Uh, but, I mean, ideally, there'd be a way you can do sort of a hyper... <laughs> I don't even know how the hell to do it. But we talked about how if, if you go hyperbolically away from something, it will, you know, could compress or could go out. Hyperbolic towards it could compress or could go out the same... Same thing. I don't don't know how that so would even make work. you something like a compass with a hinge in the middle. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you you need to help me with what you're imagining. Right. Exactly. And I don't have the idea in my head. Okay. Uh, but this is very, very, very similar to what I had in my head. And so, as far as this goes, this is awesome. When I got the white filament in, I can print you a better steering wheel. Because it's it's no... How can I put this? There's so much I have learned from learning this stuff about how the world works. I, I find it so... I just find it so enticing, and I'm not sure that, any, that anybody else does find it enticing the way I do. <laughs> uh, but I, I am drawn to it in in, in a way that I you know, can't really explain. So I'm, I just love the idea of having these toys, if nothing else, just for me to to come up with ideas for how to explain things, how to describe things, uh, even if nobody else is interested. It helps me understand the things more. Just by having something that I can play with in my hands and futz around with. Um, there's so much... I, like I said, I told you I've been listening to those five-minute lectures, and they're great tools, even though you know, they're 40 years old, and, and they talk about concepts that we've now revised. 
hear how a great teacher is describing things Mm -hmm. and it's so great to sort of hear oh okay that's a really interesting way of putting it that I wouldn't have thought of describing it or that puts something different light that I never really thought of it that way but you can really do something interesting with that and these are the conceptual breakthroughs these are where teaching really comes in when you when you don't describe the mechanics of something specifically by mechanics but how it relates to to a very general principle that you can really understand how how it all is is part of a very uh, very simple structure that you recognize even though it's stuff that is out there in terms of you know conceptual ideas and that's all this stuff that I've been learning and continue to learn and will continue to learn for the rest of my life because it's not <laughs> not something that ends but it's all structures and uh, shapes and concepts and how you figure out how those concepts work in relation to other concepts alright yes sir Yes, sir. All right. That's a good way to end. Call me sir. Sir. Mister. Next time.